Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Grow With Soul. Today is just me and I'm going to be sharing my thoughts on the perennial question and struggle of every business owner, pricing. So you get an idea, you think it's pretty good, you wrestle with the content and the format, you fight away all the self-doubt of who am I to do this and you get yourself to a place where you're excited to introduce a new thing to the world and then you turn around and you just walk straight into this brick wall which is what the hell do I charge? So pricing is sticky particularly when you're doing something that you love and particularly when you tend to dance with self-doubt, which I think probably describes everybody here because we're running a business that is something that we love to do. We feel that our pricing says a lot about us and what we think about ourselves and it you know, is a literal embodiment of what we think our output is worth. And when we operate in a society, as we do, that tends to give you your rate of worth in the form of a wage or a salary, you don't get to choose it when you start a new job, it's incredibly uncomfortable to do that for yourself. So I think that's why I have so many clients who ask me, like, what should I be charging for this? Because we're so used to this being a decision that we don't control. It is given to us. And when we suddenly have to define it for ourselves, that's something that none of us are mentally or energetically prepared for. So in this episode... I'm going to share my thoughts and my approach to pricing and how I price what I do. I'm sharing this because I think it's important for more perspectives on pricing to come to the table so people can find a way of pricing that they can feel more comfortable with. And I'd like to really stress that I don't consider myself in any way an expert on setting prices and what I'm going to talk about is just what works for me. You may want to take elements of this and combine it with more scientific pricing approaches, but this is what works for me. Also, as I haven't had any personal experience with selling or pricing physical products, I'm not going to be talking about that here, but you're only ever a short Google search away from finding a formula for pricing physical products. It's precisely because I think there aren't the same clear-cut materials and labour costs in a service or digital product that pricing them is so tricky. So, you know, caveats over, here's how I price my services and offerings and my approach to figuring that out. So the first thing I consider is who is it for and what can they afford? So a really important first step is being really clear on who your product or service is aimed at and what they can realistically afford. So you should be thinking about who is the customer for this anyway in order to create something that that person is actually going to want to buy, but really use that with your pricing as well. This doesn't have to be super, super specific, but just inform a ballpark kind of area for you to run with. So for example, if you're creating something for students, their affordability is going to be 
very different to a service aimed at city workers. So in my business, I knew that my base camp course had to have a much lower price point as it was for people just starting out in their business who would be a little bit reticent to invest too much in one go. On the other side of the coin, my coaching packages um, and my unmastermind are for people whose business is sustaining them and they're looking to reinvest. So the ballpark can be higher as they want a more specific premium service and they've got more ability to invest in that. So start off being clear about what your customer can realistically afford. And if that's not going to give you what you need financially, you may need to think about maybe shifting which audience you're targeting, moving to a more volume-based model, or adding in another customer type that you will talk to and diversify your offering slightly. Okay, the second consideration is what is the end result worth to the customer? So once you've got a ballpark price range that your customer can afford, you can zoom in and get more specific. With a service or a digital product, somebody is buying an end result rather than the nuts and bolts of the thing itself. So what is that result worth to them? This is really where digital and physical products separate because when you're buying a physical product, you're buying the thing and all the things it's made out of. And you know, you're, the fact you want to have a lovely house or something nice to wear, but much more so with digital products, it doesn't matter how technical or wonderful the thing is, you're buying the result you want it to have for you so much more. So I consider there to be four main things that people have in their mind and that have a bearing on their decision making. But one of these things will likely overrule the others. So again, your audience knowledge has to come in here to really ascertain which one of these four is going to be the main driver for your person. So the first one is time. So is your service saving them time? And what is that time worth to them? If they've been trying to get something off the ground but need some direction support, your coaching, for example, could save them six months of time and six months of lost earnings in all that time that their product isn't live. So what might that be worth, that saving of that time? The second thing is money. So on the other hand, you might be able to help them save money. Perhaps they can buy your step-by-step guide instead of hiring a freelancer to set up a new process in their business. So at what price point is it worthwhile for them to opt for your guide instead of the freelancer? The third thing is expertise. So do they actually want the knowledge and the expertise to do something for themselves? Rather than hire someone to help, do they want to learn to do it themselves so they can understand and fix it going forward? Is it something only they can do in their business but they lack the confidence around how to do it best? What will the knowledge and expertise that you can give be worth to them over time in their business? And then the fourth one is is the experience. For some people, the experience of your service will be important too. Maybe they're really relishing the prospect of digging deep into their brand through your design process for the first time or they want to make room to slow down with your printable journal. So perhaps the experience of working with a coach and a mentor and just having someone by their side is a really big draw. So what's that experience worth? So think about which one of these four kind of fits best with your offering and your customer and what they need and what is the price range that will make that result worthwhile to them. So that should give you 
again, a, a more kind of zoomed in ballpark figure, as I said, a bit of a price range. And remember, this is something you can always survey your audience about. If you are creating something new, you can ask, see what kind of price ranges people come up with. The third thing that I do is that I create the thing to hit a price. So I find it much easier to define a price range before I start making a new product. I find that that gives some structure and boundaries around the creativity actually, but when you're creating a course or a digital product, there's always more and more and more that you can add and it very, very quickly gets out of hand and that you end up with something that really you feel is worth 400 pounds or even more. It's got everything that you know in it, but maybe your customer can only afford 40 pounds and then you're really stuck. So when I have an idea for something new, I start with thinking about who it's for, what they can afford, what the result will be, and what that's worth to them. That gives me then a price range to work to. And then when I've completed the work, I will kind of pin that price point down and and the exact price based on how I feel about the finished product. I'll probably get somebody to test read it or look through it for me. And just by that time, by the time I've done the work, I know what I want to charge for it. So in practice, this looks like, for example, my purpose kit. When I started off, I knew it was going to be somewhere between 30 and 50 pounds. And then over the course of creating it, I narrowed that into really kind of in the middle of that price range at 37 pounds. So in practice, the way that I negotiate that is that I might add in something like a video or a Q&A element if I want to increase the value of the product to hit that price point or I might decide not to offer a Facebook group or extra support if I've got a lower price range to hit and I don't want to compromise on the content or compromise on the extras. I will say that if you have already created a product and you're there thinking oh crap this thing is going to be way more than my customer can afford then don't panic and don't start again the key thing is that you've realized so my suggestion would be to kind of break the behemoth of this thing that you've made up into smaller offerings so perhaps one module could be a standalone ebook maybe three sections fit well together as a course on their own just break it into smaller chunks that will be more in the price range of your customer or you know you can take part of that and start building an audience that are going to be more able to afford that that's just obviously going to take a lot longer okay so the fourth thing that i consider is what is my time worth to me so when we're pricing services we generally default to time although i never like to think about it as a straight swap of time for money you'll always lose out because there's time unaccounted for whether you know you're preparing for a call or in the hours that you're providing feedback or things like that I also think that when we're only charging for our time we're not making a profit if we think about the physical pricing model if you only charge for the materials and the labor you're not making any money on that physical product you're only just covering your bases and the same is true if you're only charging for your time you're just covering your costs. You're not actually making any profit that you can then reinvest in your business or, you know, just have because <laughs> we're allowed to want to have money. So that's kind of why I feel a little bit eh, about charging for just our time. And 
as we discussed at the beginning, ultimately it's not your time people are buying, it's that end result and that end result might be worth more than you think your time is worth. So although I don't base my pricing strictly on my time, I do think about what my time is worth to me to make sure that my prices still feel fair and that I'm not charging too little. So I'm afraid this isn't particularly scientific and it changes as I grow and my life changes and my priorities change. I remember many, many, many years ago seeing an article that recommended that you work out your preferred hourly rate by thinking about how much you'd want to receive to stand in line for an hour to make that hour worth it. So, you know, somebody, there's like a stall in the market square, they're giving away free money, but you have to wait there for an hour. How much (laughs) would you have to get at the end to make that worthwhile? So I kind of use that as a framework. I mean, if I was getting just free money, it would be less than if I had to work for it. But sometimes I think about if I had to do something I really didn't want to do, how much would I have to get for that in order for it to be worth me not doing something I prefer to do? Or how much would I have to be compensated for an hour that I couldn't be working on my business, whether that's creating content or new products. Maybe for you, it's how much would I have to be compensated to not be spending time with my kids or not be doing my hobby or whatever it is. So to get an idea of what your time is worth to you, it's really important to make sure that you are pricing in a way that you end up not resenting the work that you're doing and the service that you're doing because we've all kind of been there and I think when we start out we get a bit like that where we we'll undercharge and then we'll be doing the work doing the project and we just hate every minute of it because we know we're not getting paid our worth and what we value and that we're missing out on other stuff that we could be doing but we're being underpaid for this other thing so I think that's an important part to bring in more as a check and a balance to make sure that what you're charging, what that end result is worth for other people is actually what they're paying for is worth it to you too. Okay, and the last thing that I consider is really just what feels right and fair. So as you can probably tell, I've got quite an unscientific approach to pricing for myself. Really, I find that the variables are just so intangible. So rather than having those material costs, it's things like my happiness and my health and those kind of things that come into effect when I'm considering the volume of work to take on and therefore what that work should be priced at. And that intangibility just makes it feel so impossible to put a meaningful financial value on those factors. So whenever I set or raise prices, I focus on what feels right and fair. I use the ballpark figures of what the result is worth to the customer and what my time is worth to me and I find a compromise within those two ranges that makes me feel good and that I know I'll be able to provide good value for the client or the customer of the product too. So I also think that if you're somebody who is worried about pricing and about pricing too high or pricing right, you don't need to worry about going too high. (laughs) you're almost always going to go in a little bit low because it's awkward and uncomfortable and you feel bad and you worry you're not worth it. So you're going to go in lower than you probably could. 
My advice is just to not overthink it, but to ask yourself if the number you're thinking of feels right and if it feels fair to you and to your customer. Whenever I talk about pricing with clients, I get them just to say out loud the number that feels right without overthinking of it. Just tell me a number. And every time, really, that number is the one they end up going with because it was the one that just intuitively felt the most right. And ultimately, your price feeling right is the most important measure. Because if it's too low, like I said, you'll resent the work you're doing. And if it's too high, you'll feel too embarrassed to really talk about it or push it. And again, you're not going to enjoy the work because you're going to be feeling like, oh my God, I am not providing the value here. So focus on what feels right, right now, because really that's all you can work with. And of course, you can always raise your prices later, although that is another can of worms. So I'm going to just finish off with talking about raising prices. So first off, when you're setting your prices, it's easier to go up in the future than down in the future, both for you and kind of psychologically how that feels, but for your customer, like if you sell one or two and then you put your prices down, then they're going to be like, what the hell? And then other people can be like, well, why is this suddenly cheaper? So just generally, if you're worried, leave room to go up in the future. So Again, because we're so used to being told when we can have a pay rise and when we're worth having more money, I think a lot of us, myself included, leave it much longer than we could to raise our prices. It feels a bit selfish and it feels risky. What if no one hires me anymore? All those kind of feelings come in. So first of all, you know when the time is right to put your prices up when you feel like you need to. When you start to feel just a little tug of resentment or even you just wish that you were getting a little bit more for what you do, that's a sign that the value of your time and your work has increased for you inside. Externally, if you're turning people away or you've got too big a workload, it's likely that you're quite cheap and you can afford to put those prices up a little bit and make more money doing less work. The more that you do your work, naturally the better you're going to get at it so you need to make sure that you're taking that into account and you're not just staying at the same level for months and years and years. So I tend to raise my prices once or twice a year so one might be a very very small increase that gives me the guts to go for the one that I actually want a few months later. Really for me this tends to first show up when I'm thinking forward or I'm planning. I'll be thinking oh I wish I could get x figure for doing this really that would feel more worthwhile for it for me and then I'll go through the process I've described here like thinking about who I want to be coaching with and what their affordability is and what the end result is worth for them for courses I tend to start low and then if the participants are getting loads more out of it than I anticipated and I also ask at the end do you think this was too high too low just right I might raise the price slightly for the second intake, but for digital products, I keep it the same because I don't have much into that. It's all, all the work was done up front. And so everything from then on is kind of, kind of profit. So the worry with putting your prices up is always, you know, after you thought, am I worth it? And you've come around to the idea that yes, you probably are. It's always what if people can't afford me now? And that's definitely something to consider, but make sure that you've got your facts right before you make drastic changes. So 
as you've been growing your business, so too have your audience. So what is affordable to them might have changed in the last 18 months. So make sure you're really in touch with your core audience and have a realistic view of what they can actually afford. And if you still find that your planned increase is gonna price people out, then start to shift towards attracting customers who can afford you. So that doesn't mean you like ditch the existing ones completely. Maybe you create a digital product or a course for them that's a more affordable option, but you target your service at this new audience that you're starting to build. I hope that doesn't sound harsh because the alternative is that you just carry on doing work too cheaply, denying what you feel that you're worth. But I promise that all that will happen is that you start to resent your clients and that you start to resent your business. And doesn't that really just defeat the object of having this business in the first place? So although I don't think obviously all of our worth is tied up in our pricing, it is a signal to us of what we think we're worth. So follow the internal directions you're being given of what you feel your time is worth and what your work is worth and listen to that. And, you know, we're all good people here. We're not going to be taking the mickey out of others. We're not taking advantage of them. We're just asking for what our value is. And that's totally okay. So I hope you found it useful to listen to a little bit of my unscientific approach to pricing. Any resources I mentioned, I'm not sure if there were any, but they will be in the show notes at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. You can find me on Instagram at simpleandseason. And as usual, if you have a friend who is struggling with their pricing or struggling with raising their prices, please do send them the link to the episode as well. Until next time. I hope you grow a soul.